0: All right, let's pray. Uh, Lord God, the psalmist prayed, uh, in uh, my affliction, this is my comfort, uh, that your promise gives me life. I pray, Lord, that as we open your word this morning, uh, we would find your promises of life. Uh, may we know that hope that the uh, the psalmist rejoiced in, and, and may we know that comfort that he felt. Uh, Lord, please let your spirit Uh, Speak life and hope and joy uh, into our souls through your word this morning in Jesus name. Amen You may be familiar uh, with a a genre of movies and TV shows these days um, known as uh, post-apocalyptic These stories that are set uh, in a world where some sort of great calamity has happened Uh, and the world has become just a barren wasteland, in most cases. Uh, In in many cases, the landscape is desert, uh, endless sand dunes without any signs of life. Uh, Maybe they have something in these movies that was uh, once a city, but now it's in ruins, deserted, derelict. Buildings crumbling, uh, as the wind blows uh, yet more sand through empty streets. Uh, Maybe elsewhere in this movie set you see uh, something that looks like it might be a little settlement. Uh, If there's a a little ramshackle collection of tents and huts, and you think in these movies maybe there were some survivors, maybe uh, whatever happened uh, didn't kill everyone but as you look closer, uh, you realize that even that is filled with corpses, with mangled bodies, and there's not much left of the faces, but you can tell even from that that they died in agonizing pain, alone, terrified. And the, the, the movie pans over this landscape as far as the eye can see, death and destruction, that push the limits of your imagination. Death and destruction that you didn't think possible. As we turn to our studies uh, in Isaiah this week again, this is the world that we return to. Uh, We've uh, spent the last few weeks studying uh, Isaiah chapters 13 and. Up to, verse, uh, up to chapter 23 last week. <clears throat> and in this section of Isaiah, each chapter or, or passage deals with a, a nation and how that nation is impacted by the judgment of God. Uh, in chapter 24, uh, which we're skipping over this week, but um, I'd encourage you to read it just to get the scene um, of what we're we're dealing with. In chapter 24 the camera zooms out uh, and pans across the whole world. Uh, again, pause and read it if you, if you haven't already. Um, but we see in this chapter, um, if, I, if you allow me to summarize it, what we see in this chapter is the world just in ruins. All the nations of the world have suffered under the terrifying judgment of God. Humanity has been decimated. There are corpses everywhere. The wrath of God has fallen on an arrogant, unrepentant world. And it could rightly be described as the end of the world. But wait. Can you hear that? Shh. Listen, can you hear that? It it almost sounds. In fact, I think it 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 definitely is singing. I I can hear singing. Someone in this destitute world is singing. How how could that be? It's it's not like a a somber dirge. It's joyful singing, Re, rejoicing. Almost. It, 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 in fact, I could almost swear it sounds like a party. Where on earth could this be coming from? Where could there be celebration in this landscape of death? Where in this God-forsaken, death-ridden, post-apocalyptic world could there possibly be a party? Uh, well, we're going to study this morning uh, chapter 25 and, uh, and chapter 26 as well, but uh, we'll start by reading chapter 25, the first uh, five-and-a-half verses, and we'll read about where this party is. Uh, Isaiah chapter 25, uh, starting in verse 1, it says, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you, I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things. Plans formed of old, faithful and sure, For you have made the the city a heap, the fortified city a ruin. The foreigner's palace is a city no more, it will never be rebuilt. Therefore strong peoples will glorify you, cities of ruthless nations will fear you. For you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm, a shade from the heat. For the branch, uh, sorry, the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against a wall, like heat in a dry place. But you subdue the noise of the foreigners as heat by the shade of a cloud, uh, so the song of the ruthless is put down. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast. Uh, if if I continue the the movie idea, just to labour the the point a little more, um, as as you watch this camera pan over this desolate post apocalyptic world, the the camera starts to zoom in on something, and and as the camera zooms in, the music gets louder, and so from that you you know it's. Zooming in on the party. But it doesn't really look like it. It doesn't make sense, because the closer the camera gets, the more it looks like you're actually approaching the very storm that caused this whole mess. And it looks like that because it is. The celebration, the sound of partying, is coming from the very epicentre of the destruction. That epicentre, again, to be clear, is God. The cause of all the destruction, the the storm, as it were, that laid waste to the entire world, the, the consuming fire that scorched the earth, is the wrath of God. Uh, Verse 2 tells us that every city, every every fortification, every palace has been flattened by God. Every safe shelter, every nuclear-proof bunker, every barracks and military base, every position of power and might has been crushed by the power of God. Every last place of power and strength the world over has been reduced to rubble by the power and might of God. In verse 3, then, every strong man recognizes true strength. The nations quake at the knees in fear because every last person of authority, or or power, or strength, imagined or otherwise, has been humbled by the awesome majesty of the living God. God is the terrifying destroyer of the world, the storm to end all storms. But you know what they say? The calmest place of the storm is in the middle. The eye of the storm, if you could be there, would be the calmest, safest place in a hurricane or or cyclone or vortex of any description. And in this storm to end all storms, this final destructive disaster, this oncoming wrath of God, the center is indeed the safest place. God may be the storm, but he is also the shelter. In him we can be perfectly safe. In him we can find eternally dependable shelter, and in the shelter in God we we find the remnant of humanity celebrating. As verse 6 says, Here the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast. god has spread the table for his people a great feast of glorious celebration and joy but perhaps you're wondering at this point why on earth Could people be feasting at a time like this? Why celebrate? I mean, surely they've seen the destruction that's been going on around them. Why in this this destitute, ruined, corpse-ridden world could they possibly be partying? Well, let's read uh, from verse uh, 25, verse 6 onwards, um, and we'll find out why they're partying. And the Lord God will wipe away all tears from all faces and and the reproach of his people he will take away from the earth. For the Lord has spoken. And it will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. For the Lord, uh, sorry, the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain, and Moab shall be trampled down in its place, as straw is trampled down in a dung hill, and he will spread out his hands in the midst of it as a swimmer spreads out his hands to swim, but the Lord will lay low his pompous pride together with the skill of his hands. And the high fortification of his walls he will bring down and cast to the ground to the dust. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open up the gates that the righteous nation um, that keeps faith may enter in. You, Lord, keep him in perfect peace to Peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. For he has humbled the inhabitants of the heights, the lofty city. He lays it low, he lays it low to the ground, casts it to the dust. The foot tramples at the feet of the poor, the steps of the needy. Uh, Now, if you're anything like me, uh, verse 6 there is is really pretty exciting. I mean, a feast put on by Almighty God, how good is that going to be? I love me some good food. I'm sure you guys uh, are well aware of that. Um, uh, And this sounds like the most amazing food ever. A feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, says verse 6. And just in case you missed it, he says it again, right? A feast, uh, a rich food full of marrow and well-aged wine, well-refined. This is going to be good. I mean, we're talking about almighty God who, who can conjure food out of nothing, providing more than enough food for trillions. We're, we're talking about our wise and creative God uh, inventing Mouth-watering foods that that would just break any sort of five-star rating system. We're we're talking about heavenly delectables breaking into our Earth and overwhelming our earthly senses. I mean, how amazing is this food going to be? Can you even imagine? And that's not even the reason for this celebration. There's something even greater going on than the most amazing food you could ever possibly eat. Look with me again at verses seven and eight. He says, God will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is over all people, the veil that is spread over all nations. The Lord will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. Even greater than the greatest food, the reason for the party is the end of death. The end of death. I mean, this is the great sheet which which darkens the whole world. I mean, death really is not supposed to be just a part of life. You might hear some people say that, that, that death is just the way things are. It's not how things ought to be. Death is awful. Death is tragic. We humans... And society in general even spends enormous amounts of time and effort and money just trying to avoid death. Like, we can't even escape it, but we think if we can put it off, that's going to be better. Better than anything, really. But the Lord has spoken, says verse 8, and he will get rid of death. He will get rid of sorrow. There will be no more tears. He will get rid of shame. There will be no more reproach. And when that happens, nothing will prevent us from enjoying God for all eternity. Because that's, that's the point here. We are made uh, to enjoy God See, God is so good and so wonderful and so delightful that our highest goal as humans ought to be knowing him. But of course, death and and sorrow and shame bring darkness into our world and they diminish our perception of the glory of God. But when God gets rid of them, we will be able to enjoy the brightness of god's goodness forever and ever because we will never die and we will never be distracted by de- by pain or sorrow and so to that end god will destroy death forever he will swallow it up, says Isaiah. He'll, as it were, digest it, disintegrate it from within. This is uh, uh, perhaps not such a, an image we use all the time, but you can really see where it's coming from, right? You, you might have seen fancy chefs um, trying to make food look as beautiful as possible. They will give you a tiny little piece of food on a plate, and it tastes amazing, and it looks amazing. But of course you know as well as I do that, that as soon as it goes into your mouth it's not going to look amazing anymore. And when it comes out the other end no one wants to look at it then. Uh, maybe the, the, the greatest food art the most beautiful things are, are digested and disintegrated by our eating them digesting food disintegrates it and and of course death is no food art death is not a nice thing but in the same way god will digest it and disintegrate it but you you uh, again of, uh, of course eating food also has an impact on us. You are what you eat, as they say. It has a nutritional impact on our bodies. And God received the impact of death as well as he destroyed it. See, God became a man and his name is Jesus. And and Jesus swallowed death. Uh, the Bible says that he drank the cup, as it were, down to the dregs. The cup, the, the horrible, sludgy, muddy muck of death. He drank it all. He swallowed death. He endured its full impact. It, it, it brought him down into the grave. But in the process, death was disintegrated. Death was destroyed. Death had no more power. Jesus rose again three days later in a a renewed body. He he rose with all the effects of death undone to show that it was defeated. And we believe as Christians that he will return to earth. And when he does, the Bible says, it will be to end death forever. He will flush it away, uh, if you want to continue the food metaphor, never to be seen again. And that's what people will talk about at the party, says verse 9. The waiting is over, they'll say. Death is no more. God has kept his promises. It's all come true. And those words echo down through time back to us today. God is a trustworthy savior. We can trust him. We can trust that he will do away with death one day. And so rather than putting all our, our effort into putting it off, we rather than spending all our money trying to avoid it, rather than prolonging our days by any means necessary for no other reason uh, than that the alternative is too, too terrible to contemplate instead of avoiding death, we can trust that God we can trust God and live in freedom from fear of death. We can wait for him as the verse says, that he might save us because he will. Uh, now verse 10 introduces to us another cause for celebration. He says God will trample down Moab <clears throat> with a wave of his hand, uh, God will flatten the greatest cities and fortifications of his enemies. Uh, Moab, um, if, if you're not familiar, uh, which I don't blame you, it's kind of one of those little things in the Old Testament, um, but Moab was one of the nation's Uh, which had treated Jerusalem cruelly and and contemptuously, one of those neighboring nations that hated Israel just because they were there. Um, And they were one of the nations that God uh, pronounced judgment on in the previous chapters, although we did admittedly skip over their chapter. So um, again, don't blame you for not having heard of them. Um, And so here they become representative of all God's enemies, all the enemies of God's people. The point is, God will put an end to death, and He will put an end to the enemies of His people. Um, Now, I won't say too much about what that actually means or looks like, because, uh, as I've said, we've spoken about it for four weeks already. But remember this. God achieved victory over the nations of the world in the most unexpected way. Because just as death was, was defeated in the death of Jesus, so too the nations of the earth were defeated there as well. Jesus died in obedience to God the Father. And because of that, he was lifted up on high, exalted as the greatest ever king. On the cross, it was even written above his head on a sign. This is Jesus the King. And since he rose from the dead, he he rose never again to die. He is reigning now, and he will reign forever as the King of all. Uh, And one day, of course, he will return to utterly obliterate all of his enemies. No more will God's people experience death, sorrow, or shame. And no more will God's people experience oppression or derision from their enemies. Nothing, note, can be allowed to put a stop to the celebration of God's salvation. Nothing can be allowed to put a stop to it. Um, And in response, of course, then, the guests sing once again about how God has saved just as he said he would. Uh, The start of of chapter 26, we uh, read a a long song about that. Uh, And just as before, the guests conclude that God is a trustworthy saviour. Look at what they sing. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. And so the party revolves around, the party celebrates the saving work of God. And the more the guests think, about who God is and, and what he's done the longer the party goes on. Because again, there's, there's no more party poopers and, and no more death. Nothing will put an end to this party. In fact, it's just going to keep getting better and better forever and ever. It never ends. The party just gets more joyful and, and more wonderful and more joyful and more wonderful as the, the guests come to a deeper understanding of who God is ad infinitum. All that is left in the world are party goers and reasons to party and joy. Partygoers in the people of God and reasons to party in God himself, an unending, boundless joy. This joy surpasses superlatives. This joy words cannot describe. This joy makes the brightest thoughts of our minds seem like abject misery. We are talking here about unfathomable unsurpassable unending joy because it is bound up in the unfathomable unsurpassable and unending goodness of our god well do you want to experience that joy do you want to be there at this party do you want to be freed from the shackles of death Do you want to experience the joy of God forever? Well, if this party has has seemed in any way appealing to you, then we have an important final question to ask. Who on earth could come to the party? Who's invited? Considering we started today with the world in ruins and and humanity slaughtered, who in this downward racing, destruction-facing world could possibly hope to get to come to God's party? Well, in the rest of chapter 26, Isaiah turns his attention to the invitees of the party. but not in the future, as he has for the, pre- the rest of the passage. No, now Isaiah takes our attention back to the present day. Uh, of course, the whole passage so far has been a, a flash forward to the just after the end of the world. But now we return to the present day, and here we find out what the guests are like Right now. Uh, So then let's read the rest of chapter 26. uh, Starting in verse 7. The path of the righteous is level. You make level the way of the righteous. In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. My soul yearns for you in the night, my spirit earnestly seeks you, for when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. If favour is shown to the wicked, he does not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness he deals corruptly and does not see the majesty of the Lord. O Lord, your hand is lifted up, but they do not see it. Let them see the zeal for your people and be ashamed. Let the fire for your adversaries consume them. O Lord, you will ordain peace for us, for you have indeed done all our works for us. O Lord, our God, other lords besides you have ruled over us, but your name we bring to remembrance. They are dead, they will not live. They are shades, they will not arise. To that end you have visited them with destruction and wiped out all remembrance of them. But you have increased the nation, O Lord. You have increased the nation. You are glorified. You have enlarged all the borders of the land. <clears throat> o Lord, in distress they sought you. They poured out a whispered prayer when your discipline was upon them. Like a pregnant woman, who writhes and cries out in pain uh, when she is near to giving birth, so were we because of you, O Lord. We were pregnant, we writhed, but we gave birth to wind. We have accomplished no deliverance in the earth, and, and the inhabitants of the world have not fallen. But your dead shall rise their bodies shall live. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy, for your dew is the dew of light, and the earth will give birth to the dead. Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while until the fury has passed by, for behold, the Lord is coming coming out from his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. And the earth will disclose the blood shed on it and will no more cover its slain. <clears throat> uh, there's a lot going on in, these, in those verses, but uh, uh, verse 7, um, to start off with, identifies the guests for us. They are the righteous. They... <clears throat> Um, uh, have been uh, favoured by God. He has made their paths level. Uh, That uh, righteous word there is is quite a religious-y word. Um, Maybe not one that we normally use in in everyday life. But here it it basically means people who are right with God. People who are, are in His good books, as it were. And, I mean, fair enough. You wouldn't invite someone to your party who hurts you or who makes you angry. Uh, or, at the very least, you wouldn't if you had any choice in the matter. And it's the same with God, right? He won't invite people who have spent their lives deliberately hurting him. Or, or who deliberately anger him. He won't invite people who, who shake their fists at him. But isn't that what we all do? We all think we can live on our own terms with no help, no regard, no oversight from God. We all think we can find pleasure in ourselves and in our own exploits. We even think that God is holding back good things from us when he tries to point us in the right direction. We think God is only looking out for Himself when He says that we can find true joy only in Him. None of us is naturally right with God. None of us is naturally in God's good books. None of us is naturally righteous. But God delights in making us righteous. See, in his his kindness, he gives us his own righteousness as a gift. Jesus exchanges our muck for his righteousness, our death for his life, our, our distance from God to his acceptance and access to the Father's love. Off his own bat, he will prepare you for his party. All he asks is that you RSVP, as it were. Ask him to to save you a place at his table. Ask him to prepare uh, you for his party. Ask him to remake you into the sort of person that you ought to be. All you need to do is ask. And that's what we see the guests doing in verses 8 to 15. Uh, We see five separate requests, each introduced by uh, the same phrase, O Lord, they ask for things Five things that are necessary for the party to go ahead. They ask for righteousness to come on the people of the earth in verses 8 to 10. They ask for God's victory to be worked out in verse 11. They ask <clears throat> <Excuse me. clears throat> They ask in verse 12 for peace, uh, the shelter that we talked about earlier. In verses 14, 13 and 14, they ask that God's rule would be worked out over the earth. And in verse 15, lastly, they ask that God's guest list uh, and the place of his celebration would be expanded across the earth. See, if you want to be there at the party, then follow the example of these guests. Join their prayers. Ask God to prepare you and the entire world for the party to start. But having said that, as good as the party is, as wonderful as the reasons for celebrating are, it can be hard to feel like partying. Maybe even if we want the party to come, even if we, we want and pray that the party would start now, maybe you, you feel like it's really hard to start partying. Maybe that's what you're wondering right now, what if I really don't feel like partying? I mean, we're in Victoria in the middle of a pandemic, life is hard, life is painful. We here in Gippsland are trying to recover from drought and bushfire, we're, we're still at least slightly in COVID restrictions, um, even if they have started to ease. We're being warned as well to expect flooding throughout the next months of spring. This is not really the time to be talking about partying. Well, if you feel like that, then you're not alone. Uh, Verse 16 shows us the party guests feeling like that as well. Speaking to God, Isaiah says, In distress they sought you. They poured out a whispered prayer when your discipline was upon them. Like a pregnant woman who writhes and cries out in her pangs when she is near to giving birth, so were we because of you, O Lord. We were pregnant, we writhed, but we gave birth to wind. We have accomplished no deliverance in the earth and and the inhabitants of the world have not fallen. There's there's this disconnect here between uh, the the joy that we described before and the experience of the people now. We still experience death, don't we? We still face oppression. We still feel sorrow. We're not in the mood for partying necessarily right now. And we don't necessarily have to be because these things, these reasons for partying haven't fully come to fruition but we can still have hope. Lift up your eyes if you can. I know it's hard, but look forward in time to the salvation of our God. These final verses assure us we will see these evils delivered, uh, um, uh, defeated, sorry. Uh, Wait, wait patiently for our God because he will act. All those who die will rise again because God will undo death. All those who are oppressed will be rescued because God will crush his enemies. And all those who are left alive will be transformed because God will abolish death. God can be trusted. He will act. And and even though you might not feel like it right now, that is something worth celebrating. Uh, we started today by looking at the aftermath of the judgment of god Uh, we looked at how the world will end in in fire and fury and fear but we as christians have a hope that goes beyond the end of the world because we have found shelter in the almighty mercy of god and as we hide within his mercy we will one day witness him do away with death and sorrow and shame and remake the world uh, in joy and gladness. And in that world, we will find an endless cause for celebration, a source of joy that never ends and always increases. And so in that hope, let's thank him together. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, that we have this eternal hope. Uh, You have given us hope and joy that goes beyond life, beyond death, beyond the end of the world itself, beyond the, the farthest reaches of our imagination. Lord, you are our joy and our delight. Your mercy is our shelter, your salvation is our hope. And Lord, we pray that as we hide ourselves in you, as we we shelter in your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you would answer the desires of our heart and speed the day when death is no more. Lord, come soon. Amen.